Welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. Jesus. Oh my god, Gonzo, oh, that was so loud. <laughs> the microphone gain is up way too high, dog. See, the thing yeah. is, I have not touched a single thing no, on my mic. You need to definitely lower that volume somehow. Yeah, oh when you go that loud, it's definitely killing people. I have. It's the thing is, I have not changed a single thing on my mic since last there's time. Like, there's like a distortion on it, that's the thing. Okay, so how about that? Maybe a little less. What is everybody else thinking? Yeah. Do a testy testing. Testing, testing, testing. Let me turn down. I'll turn down some That's more. That's very loud still. <clears throat> Sorry. Oof. All right. How about that? Okay. Yeah, see, Steve fine. says they're sounding fine, so you're probably good. I probably am. Okay. Okay, good. All right. So, welcome to another episode. I didn't change my mic at all from the pre-ramble to now, but for some reason, it decided to elevate me up. Um, that's I think still weird. Louder. That's still weird, right? It is. It is weird. Um, today we are going to be talking about something very dear to John's heart. Um, something that uh, Kathy has experienced this week. Um, something that I experienced that week. But before we get to our topic, we need to do our tributes and our shoutouts and talk about our sponsors because we have someone new now. Um. So sponsors we, first. Sponsors first. Uh, we want to thank Mechanica Studios for selling our products uh, on their store and for sponsoring us and giving us some really cool things to give away. Um, we also want to thank um, Tectonic Rest Studios, Dan, for giving us cool things and helping us stay on the air. Uh, such a legit guy. Um, big shout out to Muse on Minis for letting us uh, put our stream on their channels and their... Uh, Web pages, so we can get all the cool listeners talking about everybody mm -hmm. here. And we are now a creature caster creator, creature creator, creature creator, but uh, sponsored by Creature Caster, which I think is super awesome. Um, and we will be doing some giveaways, uh, some gift certificate giveaways to Creature Caster uh, after this week. We uh, I talked with them, and they are we have um, some gift cards we just have to get some certain information from people that it wins uh so next week because we're not gonna do it this week because we totally forgot to do it last week was to give away the house from yeah, Time Crash Dan, yeah. so next week we're gonna do three giveaways uh two gift certificates and uh dan's house next week um so if you're listening jump on in you got to be present to win these because we have to ask certain questions of you whenever you do yep um, other than that, um, Kathy, what you drinking tonight? I'm drinking the old gin and tonic, my friend. The old gin and tonic. John, what are you drinking tonight? Well, since I'm still sick, no alcohol, but I am drinking an IBC black cherry. Wait, alcohol? I thought alcohol was good for sick, like the cowboy cure, you know, bourbon? Not if you're on medicine. That's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of medicine? You know, antihistamine, uh, cough suppressant, so I don't cough all, all the time. Whatever it's called to thin my mucus. This is all wonderful, wonderful for everyone to hear. <laughs> uh, very you know, everybody wanted sick to medication. know. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick medication. And then when I run out of black cherry, I'm going to follow it up with 
with Pasadena's finest tap water and maybe some Hawaiian punch. You're really hitting the sauce tonight. Yeah, well, I'm drinking them all straight up. <laughs> uh, for me tonight, I am going to be drinking barrel-aged bourbon barrel porter uh, by Innocent Gun. Um, bought this a little while back. It's not bad, um, but definitely going to be drinking this tonight. Uh, do we have any shout-outs this week, John? Not that I know, but I haven't really been paying attention this week. I haven't noticed anything either. But that doesn't mean that <laughs> this week's been it. about survival. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Uh, survival of everything. Uh, so to all of our fans, all of our friends, everybody out there listening, watching, donates, gives us whatever, we want to thank you. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's another year under our belt. We're about to end this year off. And uh, Christmas presents are going to be on us. What do you say? With a bunch of giveaways. Um, so with that, cheers. 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 School. So. Yes, blame me, Crimson. Blame me. <laughs> it is all my fault. <clears throat> Mm, that's actually that's, that's actually better than I thought it was. Um, so we actually thought I actually thought of this topic, you know, probably what two hours ago, guys. And I uh, I've been playing. I went and traded in uh, games. I went and picked up a copy of the new uh, Star Wars game, Fallen uh, Fallen Jedi, or Fallen. Oh. Yeah, the new Star Wars one. Um. And I was playing it, and when I went to go pick it up, the guys were like, um, you know, if you really like Dark Souls-style games, you could crank the difficulty up on the Star Wars games, and it's like a Dark Souls game. Don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with Dark Souls games. I have fun playing them, but sometimes I just don't want that style of difficulty. Uh, sometimes I just want to enjoy the story, or enjoy a challenge, but not a... You know, throw on my remote through the TV type challenge. And so I was playing Star Wars uh, Jedi and I, I was sitting there doing this one thing. There's a section in the game uh, where you have to jump on this vine, jump from one giant vine to another vine, and then land on an icy surface and skate down. And as you skate down, leap off of it and jump onto this wall and grab it. Um... So there's going to be a kind of a... Re I'm going to review the game at the end of this. And it was stupid, 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 annoying hard. Because any twitch of the joystick, left or right, mean I jumped to the left or the right of the vine. And when I landed, I was like trying to skate to the left and skate to the right. And it was like any hair off of what they wanted, you just died. Because you fell into, you know, an endless pit. Um, so I was thinking about this and then I started playing the game a bit and trying to learn the combat and the game is on normal difficulty was really a challenge, uh, not beating it, not even halfway through it. But when you get like four or five people, you're not a badass Jedi like you expect. Uh, when you get hit by a bad guy, you get one hit once, they knock you down and they hit you four or five more times. So it's not like you hit once back up, you know, and do it again. They just pound the shit out of you. 
Um, and I was like, I'm going to crank it up for, you know, higher, just to see what this is like. And they just totally tear you up. And then I cranked it down to what's called story mode, which is really they don't do hardly any damage, but you get to get through it and do stuff like that. Cool thing about the game is you can do it at any time. So if you feel frustrated, doesn't matter. Um, but while doing this, it brought up Marvel Crisis Protocol, um, which playing games and testing it out and getting to do things. And one of the things I noticed um, with the game is the amount of stuff in the game. All the tokens, the widgets. I got to place this here. Got to place that here. Got to put this on this. Got to put this on that. You know, so on and so forth. I was like, this is a lot of stuff for a game. And it could get really daunting. And it could be, you know, a, a challenge for not only new players, but also people that are, you know, experienced. And how some of the games just keep on getting more and more complicated the more we do. Um, past the days of, you know, where we were doing um, D&D, you just roll the D20 to see if you get it and you're gone and you're done. But now it's becoming, well, now you got to roll the D20 to scribe and, you know, so on and so forth. So it adds all these difficulties. And I was like, when do we push the envelope and say, this is too much? Um, why didn't they do it something similar or something simpler, I should say, than what, they're, what, what came about? And I know Kathy had mentioned that you played a game this weekend that you were like, I can talk about this because it was something that came up with you. <laughs> so what game are you talking about? I'm going to switch over to the paint cam so I can work on the models and everybody can see what I'm working on. So anybody who's an old school gamer will recognize Avalon Hill games. And they're very in-depth and complex games. And John knows what I'm talking about. Uh, the game in question here was just a board game. Not like one of their huge uh, historical military... Uh, not playing Advanced Squad Leader? Yeah, it was not, <laughs> not Advanced Squad Leader... Uh, it was Age of Renaissance. And you've heard me talk about that before because that's one of the games that when I get together with these people, we play. But if, if we didn't have people who had been already playing it for years introduce us to this game, I shudder to think how we would have approached it. And the giant rule book and all the tokens and everything. And it's not enough that there is all that complex stuff, but people to make it easier actually made more other stuff to go with it. <laughs> it's too difficult. Um, Here's some more stuff to keep track of to make it easier. Yeah, but it actually does make it easier because they decided in their brilliance that having a, a track printed on the board with just tokens that sit on it to keep track of uh, all the commodities and who has which commodity and everything. Because it's, it's a map of Europe and the Middle East. It's the Renaissance. It's, you know, the Crusades. I don't know why they call it the Renaissance. It really should be, uh, you know, somewhere between 1,000 and at the time when they go to the new world i don't know anyways uh but it's the map and every every province has a commodity and commodities are how you earn your money 
so that you can keep exploring and researching technologies and everything. So fans came up with these commodity cards. So you just, if somebody has this province, and you, they get a card and it's got the commodity on it and what the payout is for that commodity anytime somebody plays the card for it. Okay, great. That makes it so much easier because when you're rolling dice on that board and you hit all those little stacks of tokens that are supposed to keep track of who has what commodity and how much, you're done. <laughs> it just wipes that out. Well, it's not like they had a little that thing. Like, the board then. <laughs> with pegs or something. Yeah. You know, it, it just. But there's all these. open to the good idea, bad execution more often than not, unfortunately. And, and it is, and we experienced it last night. In this case, it was Dave who experienced it. Uh, there's a certain point in the game where you know that you're never going to be able to compete. You're never going to be able to have any hope of winning, and the game will be continuing for another couple hours. Oh, you mean TV time. That's... That's one of those, yeah, that's one of those games where, you know, I mean, you want to be social, you want to be, you know, in it with everybody who's playing, but at the same time, you're like, well, what the hell am I going to do? Because I know I'm not, I don't have any possibility of winning, so really all you end up doing is, is just screwing with other people by, you know, maybe you get a card like the Black Death where you can you know, affect somebody else's outcome a little bit. <laughs> you mean like the old uh, advanced civilization from Avon Hill? Like, what are you trading for? I'm trading for calamities. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's, it's a little similar to that. It is a little similar to the, uh, the civ their civilization game. But, yeah. But there's so many tiny little rules and minutiae and tokens there's tokens for this there's tokens for that yeah and, and, and every there's there's that whole order of play thing with like 10 different phases of the game that you go through i it, I, I don't think anyone from up on the hill heard of the uh the uh little acronym uh kiss keep it simple stupid <laughs> yeah yeah i was in charge for the very first time, of keeping track of the misery index. That was my one thing to do to keep track of during the game. Like, somebody's the banker, somebody keeps track of the commodity cards. So it's I part was of the game, not how miserable you guys are playing yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, I was in charge of the misery index, of which my husband almost got to the very end of. Once you get all the way down to the bottom of the misery index, you basically hell. And you lose. You're just out of the game at that point. But he got way down very close to the bottom. I think it, for a while he was just trying to because it's not a balanced game and he was Homburg and they don't do well. Just bottom line, if you're Homburg, it's, you probably, well. going, it's probably not going to go well for you. So, yeah. I don't know why they decided to go a six-player game and include... Uh, Homburg, but yeah, needlessly complex. Well, I would say on a general, 
a general statement that most of the house rules people have ever heard of came about because the game is needlessly complex. Um, I'll actually go into, since uh, Gonzo covered a little bit of a miniature game and you covered a board game, I'm actually going to cover a role-playing game. And and to be honest, I'm actually going to cover an entire company's role-playing games, and that is the Palladium role-playing game systems. Uh, nothing wrong with that game system. Come on. You shut your fucking hole. <laughs> that hurts. I will go along with a lot of nonsensical bullshit, but that is nonsensical for me. Rollmaster. Chartmaster is head, <laughs> head and shoulders above Palladium because they at least update things. Now, that's not a good one either, to be honest, but they have so much stuff. Building a character for certain games is like this giant list of figuring out percentages for your skills. Why the hell are you using percentages for skills, for fuck's sake? Percentages can easily be converted into D20s. Why not just use a D20? Anyways, um... But you have all this stuff to do, and none of it adds to the game in any way for most of it. It's all just needlessly complex stuff. Like, sure, we all like to keep track of our hit points now we're from killing. But do you want to keep track of your armor's hit points? What about when your armor's hit points is in the fucking hundreds, and then your hit points, assuming they hit you in a time when you can be hit, and I'm assuming, of course, Rifts, which is the only game anyone fucking plays on anymore. Um... Assuming they don't hit you with a MDC weapon, in which case you're just fucking dead. They don't care how much hit points you have. It it is so archaic. It defies description. Like I get on D and D fifth for going back to the well, and, and and really, you know, going back to those sacred cows. Like Palladium just has not adapted at all. I mean, that's not true. I've seen enough of their games. They've adapted over the years, but they got to a point in the early 80s and they or mid-80s, and they said, fuck it, this is perfect, let's go. And they ain't really changed since. They just add extra complexity. And to what Gonzo said earlier, sometimes having this, you know, penalties to a skill check is sort of a new thing. That wasn't like in old games. You either succeeded or you fucking failed in a lot of cases. Newer games, they give you penalties because they also give you rules for degree of success and these are great things because they add to the game they add an extra little step you know like well how do you do you know someone's hiding someone can see them is it just a straight i hid oh no i saw you no that's where degree of success comes in these are good things that add to a game you know nothing nothing is as cool as a player you know making this amazing role on something super simple and get this just amazing result because, you know, you know, I'm going to, you know, you do something silly and you pimp it and then it becomes this whole running meme and it becomes super fun for all the players. It helps you, it can help you tell a better story. So some of that is good, but when you have needlessly complex, say lists of equipment, you know, skill lists of skills you've never used, Still looking at Palladium. Firmly. Yeah, but just in case. <laughs> just in case, I might need that skill in cooking. <laughs> if you make me make a cooking roll, it better be something damn interesting. And fuck's sake, I doubt you're gonna do that. I mean, come on, it's it's really a flawed game system. It's too complex, and that's sort of the problem. You don't you don't want all that stuff. Complexity is fine when it adds to the game. The complexity, the amount of complexity added should be less than the fun or the 
sometimes the granality you need added to the game. You know? Like, if you have to add three steps in your skill function to get a degree of success, maybe it's not worth it then, because you're adding three steps to get this little thing. It should just be success or failure. You know, maybe you don't need to be doing all that shit. But if you add one step to it, then maybe it's worth it. It's that whole thing, you know. How much are you willing to add to the game to bring it to the next level? And uh, I can go on another one, but I'm going to let Gonzo go off on another one before I go back to this well, because I got one I like to harp on a lot. Oh, um, Gonzo. Well, rattle can. No. No rattle can during podcast. It's not a rattle can. It's a paint pot. I was shaking it up. because I was. It has a rattle in it, though, right? No, and there's a ball buried in it. So, <laughs> um, one of the things that I was talking about, I, I go back on what John was saying for uh, role-playing games. Yeah, you do want to have some complexity because there's there's a, there's no problem with going, hey, this check should be difficult, but I shouldn't have to go through nine steps to figure it out. Um, I think one of the best systems that's come out recently uh, to handle complexity and changes and different ways that things can happen is the new Star Wars system uh, by Fantasy Flight. Um, you check to oh, see... Genesis? Yeah, or the Genesis system or whatever you want to call it. Um, they're just new role-playing system because you can still succeed but totally fuck up. Um, one of the prime example uh, for the Dawn of the Harbinger, which we hope we play next week, um, we didn't get to play this week, um, was that someone totally... Destroyed this, you know, using a lightsaber, totally destroyed um, this uh, droid that was attacking them and just shoved the lightsaber straight through them and, you know, you know, sliced them in half pretty much type thing. Complete obliteration of the robot. Um, But the interesting (coughs) part about it, there was a critical failure. Now, you can have the critical failure be almost anything you want, but it's more for a dramatic flair because, and it makes perfect sense in Star Wars. Um... We're going to dive down this tunnel to escape, but we land in a trash compactor, blah, 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 scene. Um, and in this one, they sliced through it and hit a control panel, and it locked the doors behind them. And I'm like, perfect example of a Star Wars system. It, it It's up to the storyteller of what the negative effects are, because it's supposed to enhance the game, not totally screw the player. Um inconvenience but not you know complete death or whatever um and i think that's where we we've got to start looking to games for make it complex if you're going to make it complex make it fun and complex not just i'm just going to make you try to do everything in 15 steps and there's a lot of people that love that type of game system and i'm just like i don't see the fun in that I, i i want to create good stories and doesn't mean I can't change the rules, so it does, but some people are going to like, but you're not doing the system right. I want it like this. And I'm like, well, we can't do it like that. Um, but whenever I saw this, I was playing, like I said, I was playing the Fallen Order, and some of the controls are really, really like, okay, to block this blaster fire and send it back, you have to click the left uh, upper level you know, L1 button right before the blaster gets to you. And, you know, if you're going to attack, you have to completely make sure that you're doing it at the correct second before they attack. So you can get, you know, 
a damage or um, so on and so forth. And it was like, it's, it's getting too, and I don't want to say too complicated, but it's just too much um, on way things are going. I was like, I want to hit, I want to hit my lightsaber and I just want to swing. Um, on a poor review of it, the control systems for this game is not good. Um, the reaction time of it is not good at all. Um, and the PlayStation 4 is starting to show its um, age with graphics. Um, but I mean, it's it's weird because it was branching out on this because I was looking at um, thinking about the role-playing games. Now, I always give Shadowrun a hard time because it's, let's see how many D6s we can roll. To me, that's just, why do we have to roll 50 million D6s? Can we just have it as a cap or have it as, you know, do we have to have that many D6s? I feel like it's because you have a better chance of uh, the die exploding when you roll the six. And that helps for when you need to reach, like, a much higher level of success. You have more chances to do that with a D6 to roll a six and then be able to roll again. Yeah, more dice is more chances for the outliers to come up. Even though the overall result will tend towards the middle, the more dice you roll, the more chance you have of that one die giving you a chance. So if you see one success, like, I got a chip in a chair, let's go. <laughs> Riverboat gambling. And Riverboat gambling in a role-playing game is often fun. Yeah. I, it was just, there, there, there just seems to be a lot of complexity into um, a lot of the games. Uh, example, I play War Machine and Hordes. It's not a extremely complicated game, but there is so much in it that anybody new coming in is going to be overwhelmed, in my opinion. Um, and, it, and it's going to be... And like I said, not saying that we don't take and walk our people through. I'm just saying, for simple fact, that if you were to take someone brand new to miniature gaming and say, here's War Machine and Hordes, let's, you know, let's let you go with it, it's going to seem, you know, pretty complex to them. Yeah. Um, it's it's complex. The uh, even more so if you try and show them, uh, and I'll harp on this every time. This is what I was gonna get to. If you throw them steamroller scenarios, and you're like, "What the fuck is all of this <laughs> shit?" Yeah. And and honestly, it's like that's the killer. You need simple stuff to play with. You can't all be super com complicated. You can have more complicated. Example: Infinity. The basic scenarios in the Infinity book are are pretty easy. Yeah. They're very like. There's some stuff here. Go here, do this, maybe a couple special rules. Okay, cool. In their tournaments, they get a lot more complex, but that's okay. It's a tournament. There's a difference. There's... Because there's a separate packet for both. They're not like, because honestly, if you're playing War Machine Awards and you're not playing with the Steamroller scenarios, you are not playing a good game. It's very weird then. It's not balanced for that anymore. No. And... So you, you look at that, and but it does have a lot of complexity in there. And actually, even though we're using Infinity Scenarios as a plus, Infinity as a game is definitely an offender the other way. It is complex as shit. There's so there are like, there's like, like 30 pages of special rules models may have, and then you get to the hacking section, which is like having a magic section for a role-playing game, more or less. It is really complicated. And while... I feel it's one of those games, it's super complicated, 
it is just shy of too complicated because once you get through it all and you understand it, it does add a lot of enjoyment to the game, a lot of different facts. It makes all the super technological stuff not all the best because you can hack it and all. It, there's a lot of give and take there, but it is just on the edge of way too fucking complicated. Um, and then with the tokens, like you're talking about Marvel Crisis Protocol, uh, now I haven't seen too many games that played, but I imagine it's going to be slightly less offensive than something like fucking Guild Ball. Like, well, I love the concept of Guild Ball, but Guild Ball, I walk by a table, I'm like, there are like 70,000 tokens on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah. Going on. Like, I like Guild Ball, too, as a concept. But, yeah, there's so many things to keep track of for each guy, and you, your opponent has to know what they are, too, so you end up putting all these tokens out there, you know, to keep track of all this stuff. And I would love to have a game that doesn't require tokens for every little stat. It's called Blood Bowl. Oh, I love Blood Bowl. You know I love Blood Bowl. But that's the thing. That's a perfect example of A versus B. Sure, there's a lot of extra stuff in Guild Ball. It's a lot more, you know, a lot more war gamey rather than board gamey than Blood Bowl. But it's also got all that extra complexity. You know, even War Machine of Hordes is a shit ton of tokens in there. A shit ton because I own a shit ton of tokens. You can have tokens all over the place. Okay, whose focus is this? Whose fury is this? Who's this spell on? What are these tokens here? Do these many feet or is that their many feet? Like, it can go nuts. Um, one of the the games that sort of does it, I think, a little better is uh, Star Wars Legion. There's a fair amount of tokens, but they don't have a lot of different types. Yeah. You get the tokens that like, okay, I know what all these tokens are. They're all standard types, and you know really quickly, like, oh, what are the, those are green tokens. End of the turn, all the green tokens go away. Just get all yeah. those green tokens out of here. Okay, cool. They really, really put a lot of thought into that particular part of it, and it shows. Um, by the other hand, you get Warmer, you get uh, Warhammer 40K and Age of Sigmar, which are just now getting tokens involved in the game, and they don't do enough of it. But where's the line, you know? Like, I I'll noticed say, that for, for Warcry. It, it would be cool just to have... I think they actually do have tokens to show you when somebody has moved, uh, yep. which which is very handy. That's what they did for Kill Team. They added a bunch of tokens. Not too many, though. There's a fair amount, and it's good. But, you know, I see people play, and they'll play something like, say, Imperial Guard, where they're given orders all over the place. And then it's like, I'm like, you need to have a token or something for what order is what, because I'm not going to remember. And you're just going to say it, you know. Ten minutes later, when you're getting to them in your shooting phase, <laughs> phases that you gave them this order, and I got to take your word on it. There should be easier just to go boom, boom, boom. We, you know, how many orders do you have? Just make little tokens for them. It, but it's a hell of a give and take because you know you, you shit on games for having too many tokens, and then you shit on people for having not too many tokens. You know, <laughs> as a game developer, I'm not sure how they would know. But all it's all about the fine points. Um, Age of Sigmar just started putting out tokens in their uh, sets with their uh, their data cards, and they're very basic. It's like two sheets of tokens about this big, and it works great. It's like just enough tokens to do, like here's my moon token for Mad Moons. Here's a couple of various effects and all that are be happening a lot. It's really good. 
it, it's sort of getting to the right level. Um, Malifaux, I mean, they tried to lower the conditions, but there's a lot of people who have unique things they put on people, and it gets a little weird. But uh, it's it's a weird spot, and I'm not sure where how to fix that. Uh, let's see, Crimson says, I think Warmish Your Heart wouldn't be so bad if they kept the tokens and the caster and maybe a couple others. Problem comes when you prefer too many models and special rules and things like Soul Collection, Corpus Collection, etc. Absolutely. The more you put out there with that, the more complicated it gets. It gets to the point of diminishing returns. And, you know, uh, the only saving grace of a game like, say, Malifaux or Guild Ball is the lack of models in it. And I think that's actually probably a good reason why. Marvel Crisis Protocol is not going to get too bad because there's not that many models. Yeah, I mean, Crisis Protocol, what are you going to get? Six, if you try really hard? Six maybe. Models. I don't think you're ever going to get more. I mean, you might be able to get seven models if you play the 20, uh, one of the 20 uh, missions and they choose that point of value. Yeah, you could. I mean, so, but still, six or seven models, or six models, seven models maybe compared to, say... Something like Malifaux, where we're, we're averaging on the nine-ish, or you know, Guild Ball. How many you got in Guild Ball? Seven, Seven. six, eight, six. six to eight. So that low number of models helps reduce the complexity down a level. Mm-hmm. It's when you have a game like Origin of Hordes, and not all the models of Origin of Hordes are going to have tokens. Correct. Don't need that, but you're going to have enough that it starts to get confusing. I've played armies where I have all the junior. Uh, Junior uh, warcasters, junior uh, mostly the junior uh, hordes guys, you know, uh, warlocks. Yeah. Oh hey, Xander's asking, and hi Xander, by the way, he's asking, can some of it really be based off of the design of tokens? It can, and actually, uh, I'll hit that in a second. But I played a game with those guys, and I had to have different colored. I had paired colors of fury tokens, so I go like, okay. These darker ones are on the beast. These lighter ones are on the warlock. And I had them in pairs so I could use all my guys together. Needlessly complicated? Yes. Fun, but probably needlessly complicated for most people. Um, and to Xander's point, can you be really based off some of the time tokens? Yes. And that's what I loved about the a lot of the token sets that are coming out from people who are making them. Bit Muse on minis or whomever. They put similar types of effects on similar shaped tokens uh it's a little less now that they're getting color and they're getting very thematic i liked it better when it was all wooden tokens and they would all have very similar shapes so you know the upkeeps were these sort of you know things that could hit on a base sort of like vaguely uh part of a circle at the bottom of it so you hooks on a base the they all had circles for their various focus or fury the if you make all the tokens the same styles like that green throughout them for the uh legion tokens you can really take a level of complexity off so you can look and know uh pp's tokens that they can put out for machine of hordes actually help it because they're all shaped specifically for what they are if it's a spell effect that goes away it's usually in a little circle the upkeeps have little uh double circle thing with one smaller than the other you know uh, then you have the focus effects, you have other effects on a little shieldy thing, you have little stand-ups for disruption or what have you. There's, they did a really good job with that, honestly. Um, it's just that some of them have gotten away from that because people want cool tokens and they want unique tokens. They're not thinking about how complex it becomes. 
because they're planning, um, they're playing at a high level, and the people they plan on playing are at a high level, but it does then take it out of the reach of, if you will, the, the everyman gamer. Okay, yeah, Grimson also says uh, Blood Red Skies is an aerial combat game, but instead of having tokens to attract advantages advantage, you have flight stands that tilt the plane so it's climbing or diving. That's a cool effect. I've seen some games like that. Um, yeah. Da, 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 da. Easy to track, doesn't clear the table. Yeah, that's some of the thing I don't like is sometimes it, it starts to attract from the table when it gets too much, and that is sort of the thought I had with... And it's not all about the tokens, not just stop it out there, or the inherent complexity of the game. In this case, it's the players in both Guild Ball and War Machine of Hordes. They've gone to using the measuring sticks. Cool. They want that level of, of precision, but they're sitting there on the board with everything else, and it really makes the board look odd. You know, the tokens already make it look a little weird. Some people walk by and they're like, I don't even know what's going on here. I'm it not takes gonna... you out of the visual aspect of the game in much the same way as the flat terrain in War Machine Hordes does. Why play a miniatures game if you're going to have all these tokens? You might as well just be playing Age of Renaissance. You might as well just be playing a board game. Absolutely. Or even a, a next level game, like a, a Battletech-style miniature game where... You have your sheet for each unit or whatever, and you're just jotting down notes or whatever on it. Like, okay, I moved this far, so I'm this hard to hit. My heat level is this. It would be all on the sheet. You know, we used to do that all, all the time. But now you're trying to keep it on the table. And that's what helps gravitate people towards Warhammer. I, and I uh, guess, do you, but, do you think they want to keep it on the table because they want the other person to know what's going on with their guys too? Whereas if you're keeping it on a sheet... Then the other oh, guy, you got to pass the sheet around so that the other guy can look at it. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, and, and honestly, from a standard perspective, it is good to have it all there so you can see what's going on. Like I said, with the guard guy and the orders he's given, um, it makes the game speedier. And, and most people are looking at it from a sort of limited time, maybe competitive-ish perspective. But the average person walks by, they don't know what's going on. And then they're not sure, and then they see people playing, you know, Warhammer 40k or Kings of War or Age of Sigmar or something, and there's almost no tokens. As you see, these guys are moving up, they're rolling dice, they're attacking. It's much easier to follow, and it draws the people in. That's sort of how you get those games is always being the same starter games, not just because they're ever present or because, you know, the people are there teaching them better or anything, or that they're easier to learn. It's because they're easier to look at and understand what's going on without any input from the players, so don't have to bug the players. They also don't look as complex. No. It, when you've got all that stuff on the board that is so esoteric, you know, it might as well be arcane magical symbols, you know. Yeah. And and you look at this other game, and it just looks like a bunch of miniatures, like you're playing toy soldiers. Hey, that looks fun. Yep. This other one, it's like, oh my god, I'm going to have to do a ton of homework in order to understand this game. Well, yep. And the perspective of complex, the, the, the illusion of complexity will hurt a game. I mean, I play, for a role-playing game, I play uh, Hero System Champions. And the, uh, the average joke is, I don't want to have to do calculus to play your damn game. <laughs> Which is not even remotely true. 
And I laugh at people who say that, but it's the perspective, their, their, their idea of it. They look at it and like, how do I figure this out? And we give them a simple formula like, well, that's math. Like, okay, well, don't do math in your game. Go fuck yourself. You do math all the time. Do you add up how much damage you do? Sure, the numbers are bigger. It is an older game, and it shows its age because it it's changed a bit, but it still hasn't gotten it all out there. It's one of those games that's on that level. Like, is it too complicated? Is it not? I'm not sure. They've done a lot to make it less complicated, but it might be for the average person a bit too complicated. That's where D&D comes in. D&D is still basic and easy, and I think that's why 4E, more than anything, failed. It wasn't as easy, necessarily, as classic D&D. It has that complexity, or the illusion of complexity, because it's really not complex at all, and that'll hurt a game. John, do you want to talk at all? I'm listening. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, Being, you know, on a competitive scene for War Machine and Horde for a while... You had to have all those tokens because it was like, <laughs> why would you? Oh, you didn't say that you had that. So where's your token to say that you had that uh, type yep. thing? But uh, it, it, it can be because if you if you were to walk by two different game systems, and this is nothing against the game system, but if yep. you were to walk again, walk by a competitive War Machine and Hordes game and a competitive 40k game, the 40k would have very little to no tokens. Mm-hmm. And the War Machine and Hordes would have, you know, a crap ton of stuff. Yeah, it's it's the two extremes. Even though the other the forty k game should have tokens because they have just as much stuff you got to keep track of, and, and possibly more rules questions too. Because there's so many. Uh, which codex do I need to look at for this? You know, which <laughs> codex do I need to look for that? You know, what about the rule set? Yeah, um, and and GW is not immune to this. Um, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it. I may have mentioned it in brief or whatever. I saw the new uh, Undead Faction, the Asark Bone, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a guy was just rolling. So Warhammer is still already, both Warhammers, already really kind of odd. As you rolled a hit, and then you rolled a wound, and then they rolled a save. There's a shit ton of rolls just to see if somebody fucking dies. Well, this is next level. You rolled a hit. You rolled a wound. Like, cool, here's your wounds. All right, let me roll my saves. Well, I get to re-roll on these saves. All right, now I get my, uh, you know, save versus any wound I take. All right, now I get to see if I explode. Okay, if you guys exploded, let me see if they come back. And you're like, you just rolled, like, 14 dice for two models to see if they died or not. That is <laughs> way too complex for a game. Like, any game. Like... No other board game or miniature game has that many rolls just to see if you fucking kill somebody. It's it's really silly, and it's the first time I've seen that in that game, and I think it is a horrible, horrible error, because like we said, it's going to add complexity to a game that doesn't need to be that complex. You don't need all those saves. Just make one of the saves bigger. You know, take one of them away. Save, you reroll on your save, sure. Blow up one, then a save afterwards to see if you live. Okay, whatever. I don't know. It's it was just really struck me as being a ton of work just to see if models die. Yeah, Xander Rose says too much rolls for something. Yeah. They're already on the 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 bad end of that to begin with because it's like I said, roll a hit, roll a wound, roll a save. That's what Maybe I thought was interesting save. about Warcry is they cut out one of those rolls. 
you know, they they did simplify it in yep. in that case. And I don't know anything about Kill Team. I don't know if they did a similar kind of thing with that. Nope. It's basically 40k. Okay. And I mean, even 40k still got the toughness and the like. Age of Sigmar got rid of toughness, which when it first came out, we're like, that's a terrible idea. But it actually streamlines that role, makes it a little bit easier. I don't care what your stats are. Zero fucks are given over here. You just tell me if I'm minus one in any role before I go, and I'm just like, here's my attacks, here's my wounds. I can do this without your input, aside from letting me know any modifiers real quick at the beginning. I have to go, okay, your toughness five, so these need this and these need this. So it's like, these yeah. were threes, these were fours, because it says so on my card. That was always the thing about bolt action that we liked, is it was pretty straightforward in that way, and what? every guy is a human. Yeah, every guy's a human. They're all tough uh, as three, if you will. Every... Every rifle is a rifle, and it doesn't matter if you're German or American or whatever. You know, every machine gun is a machine gun. You know, every SMG is an SMG. Every pistol. Yeah, it it doesn't matter which faction you're playing. Yeah, you do have certain things that that you can do as a uh, you know as as like Germans or the U.S. or British or whatever, which makes it you know worth it to take that particular army but every weapon is the same no matter what so you always know what, what what a weapon does and i feel like that adds that element of simplicity even though the game itself is complex yep uh, i love that um actually crimson brings up another one that i'm sure you'll you'll remember kathy is roll to confirm your critical <laughs> yeah oh Forget. we do that now my dm has us do that you roll a one or you roll a uh, you roll another dice. Oh, I never do that. I don't care. He does for for failures because okay. he's cruel that way. I'm just like, no, <laughs> you created. It's awesome. This is your time to be awesome. I'm not taking away your your basically one in twenty. Asterix. It was okay in like three point five when your crit range could be like I crit an eleven or better. Like, well, you're gonna convert that crit, motherfucker, because that's some bullshit. Uh, see, we didn't have to, we don't have to roll for a, a critical success. We only roll for a critical failure to see if it's actually uh, so much of a failure that something really bad happens. Ah, I just make bad things happen, and, and then it ends up being a comedic bad thing. So, get the facts of life. Oh, sorry. Like the facts of life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that, that's another. That was like a needlessly like rolling to confirm critical hits is a needlessly complicated role. Because it adds nothing to the game. It's like, oh, the GM's a player. No, the GM is a player, but he wants to help you tell the story. It doesn't matter if the guys die quicker. You're badasses. He'll make the next guys tougher. Hope you crit again. If not, it's going to be a tougher fight. Sorry. Yeah, it's always disappointing to see a GM who is more like... He, they think of themselves as being the nemesis of the group instead of the storyteller who's trying to facilitate a good time amongst their friends. Oh, I, I want a good time with my friends, but I also want them to occasionally suffer in the most humorous ways possible. Well, you want it to be a challenge, and comedy yeah. is always gold. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one. We were running one of the D&D uh, sealed adventures, and we had been playing. Uh, we had started the campaign with just strikers. In fourth edition, you know, party balance and all that, <laughs> and then we're here. We are in you know, in the t- late twenties as far as levels go, and you know, we've actually upgraded. We have more people now, so we have four strikers, and 
one uh, leader. It was cool. And then the Avatar of Orcus shows up, and the adventure says, on his initiative, he stabs the Avatar of the Raven Queen and makes this big speech. Well, we killed the ever-loving fuck out of him, and then Banyan was upset because he wanted to get in on the action too, and he hadn't been able to. Before his initiative. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that happens. It's, it's you know... You don't want to add the extra rules to make things less fun for the players. You just roll with it and keep going. You know, it, it's it's a role playing games. It's uh, I haven't seen the latest sh- uh, Shadowrun uh, yet, uh, Gonzo, to see how complicated it is. But old Shadowruns always was a little a little extra detail oriented in the guns and all. But that's what the people wanted. There's a you lot know? of detail. We. I had a chance to play a couple of games of that at GameholeCon. And it is still just as crazy complex with all the different weapons and everything. I had one character that was a rigger, and they had a weapon list that was almost an entire page long. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff does. Yep. I gotta do some serious homework. It was like oh. the first time I played a wizard in D&D and didn't know what any of the spells did. It's the same kind of situation. I'm like, I need more than just the amount of time we have in this five-hour or four-hour game or whatever it was, this one-off thing at a convention. I, But in that instance, we had a game master who was very much, yes, you can. He was one of those ones who was willing to just let the group do whatever creative, fun thing they wanted to do. And just kind of facilitated things. And uh, in the second game we played, I don't remember what my character was, but we had a game master that was uh, very different from that. He was a little more getting bogged down by rules as written, kind of not just a guideline sort of thing. Yep. And actually that's a good note is uh, that... Teamwork can make Sorry, things less complicated. Like. Hold on one second. <laughs> Kill Siri. Or that? The echo? The echo. It just muted it. Decided, <laughs> like I said. But in any case, uh, teamwork can get around overly complicated. Because you have people multiple working together. Example is any miniature game... You can get by it if you're both working on it because you're remembering tokens like, hey, boom, this, remember that, remember this, remember that. You remember all your stuff, it's all good. Because someone else is helping you, it's all good. Because you're both trying to have a good time. But that doesn't happen in competitive because it is competitive. Correct. It's like in a role-playing game, it doesn't matter. My Champions games, anyone, any of you could play, any of you, even the chat room could play. Even if you don't think you can, can do a game that complicated because I help everyone. Because part of my role, you know, I know what the stuff does. I can help it, you know. We actually helped uh, my ex-roommate Creekins do her math on her damage dice because you get, you know, 15 to 20 damage dice sometimes on really, really high end. And you got to add all those up until she said, all right, you know, I'm good. Thank you. I'm going to start adding it up myself. That's cool. Yeah. Adding numbers quickly is not as easy as everyone makes it seem. I've been doing it for years, so. But that's the kind of thing. If you teamwork together, you can make... More complicated things, less complicated. And that's why a lot of those games that seem complicated, like, why are those guys still playing? Because to a point, they're working together for it. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of my best games against other people in a in a competitive game is when the other person when you have when you have a question about what you're doing cuz maybe you don't know the rule system is better as good as the other person and you're like so if i do this no wait, i i'm thinking about doing this one of two ways if i do it this way versus doing it this way what do you think is 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 the better way this way or this way and you know, and I've had somebody I play with be like, oh, well, they'll break it down if I didn't understand the rule correctly or whatever and help each other out. And I, you know, it, that sort of doesn't happen in tournaments so much. They're not willing to necessarily, no. you no, know, not looking for help a you out. For a but, but plenty of uh, games at the game store, one-off things. I've had people really help me get to know the games. You know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, and and that's sort of the thing. It's sort of like how we all got through Infinity, because we're all working the rules together. Even though we're playing against each other, one of us want to win, but we don't want to win because someone doesn't know any of the rules. We want to learn the rules together, because the more you learn the rules together, the better you're both going to get. You bring up a good point about that, because I was talking to one of my guys, and I said, hey, you've been playing... um, the uh, newest War Machine faction, Infernals. And I go, what do you think? Since you've been playing with them, you've tested them out, you found their ins and out. what do you think? And he goes, it's really good, but I would never play this against someone new to War Machine and Hordes because it is a too complicated army for someone to learn against. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go, he makes a valid point. That army is not something I would show someone on how to play the game. Now, if they ask for it, sure, no problem. But he says, if it was someone brand new, there's way too much going on with that army, and it is so offshooting different than the rest of the armies, that it probably would be too much for someone just coming into the game. And I was like, I can see that, because there's a lot of things that go on with it. Um, Go ahead. People talk about the same sort of thing in Malifaux, with... There are some crews that are are much more complex than other ones. So if you're introducing somebody to a game, maybe maybe you want to start out with a crew that doesn't take quite as many uh, complex skills and abilities. Got to ought to default that to John. He's the Malifo guy. Is there are there like a lot of crews that are just like balls. No, there, there's a handful. There's one or two in each faction is gotten extra, if you will, sort of counter or uh, a condi- not really a condition because they got rid of that. Um, oh, he posted a link. Oh. Sorry, Crimson, the links are locked. But, uh, yeah, so... I mean, some of them have just an extra ability. Like, last time I played against Dave was the Crossroads 7, and they all give people sin tokens, they can use the tokens for crazy shit, and it does make the game a next level worth of, uh, uh, next level worth of, uh, uh difficult. Um, but there's not too many of them. It's like, you know, you get, uh, those guys, you get sort of, uh, Jacob Blanche, or you get uh, Hamlin, the plague guy, because he has plague tokens that they can remove to do things to him. 
So get, that'll make it the next level, next level more complicated. So you need to watch out for that stuff. But that stuff's in any game. You got to be a little careful about. Well, two minutes. We could switch over to media section unless we have more things you want to talk about. Got overly complex games. <laughs> um, I think there are people that do like the over complex complex games. There are people mm-hmm. that want that type of realism. Um, but you really need to talk about who you're playing with and how you want to play the game. Because almost every system has, like, you know, weapon breakage or armor breakage or, you know, whatever. And you really need to sit and talk with those people to find out what you like. Um, do you want to go with that? Do you not want to go with that? Do you want to go with, you know, something else? Um, how, how do you, as a group of players, want to handle certain things? Uh, which is super important for the stuff that you're going to be doing with it. You want to make sure that it's not going to be too much for your players, uh, too much for someone coming into a miniature game uh, or someone, you know, doing any of that stuff because it's, you want people to play a game because, well, it's a game, but you don't want them to go, well, this is just way too much. And you're like, well, we can take this away or this way. Then, you know, how, how much do you take away until the game is no longer the game? type thing yeah so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and stick with uh, if anybody doesn't care i'll stick on the painting cam because uh i'm trying to get spidey partially done and stuff so um i'm gonna go and work on this unless someone wants me to switch it over to the media cam media screen um but other than that um but it, it was just interesting because the I want to like Fallen Jedi. I really do. But just something about it just makes me go, this is not a great game. Um, but we can talk about the media section, so we can go and go with that. I'm going to go and give a review of um, Fallen Order, uh, the new EA game uh, about, you know, this Jedi. And the story is set shortly after... Um, episode three. Um, and you play a character that is force sensitive and at one point was a Padawan. No secret behind that. But you're trying to escape Imperial rule and the Empire and try to find out cool things about the Jedi Order. Cool. I'm, I'm behind it. No, no problem with the story. Um, but the controls for the game are bad. Um, like you try to hit a force push, and it's like, hit force push, one, two, three, and I push. Um, you try to slow time, hit the button, one, two, and now it slows. There is something wrong, in my opinion, that the timing is off. Because uh, at one point they teach you how to use force push, and your master throws this object at you, and you're supposed to hit the button to push it out of, you know, away from you and hit him. Cool, no problem. Uh, test out, see how far force push works and so on and so forth. And it's like, oh, you have to wait till it gets closer. All right. And I'd still hit the button and then the timing is just completely off on the game. Um, I'm not sure if it's designed like that or what's going on, but it doesn't feel very responsive. 
Uh, I turn left to move my character. My character walks three feet and then falls off the ridge. I'm like, all I wanted to do was look to the left or just move slightly to the left. But instead of turning and moving slightly, he walks like four feet and then he can fall off the ledge and die. Um, there's puzzles in it. There is jumping puzzles, which are annoying as fuck. Um, you need to stop this spinning machine, jump on it, walk while it's slowly moving, jump onto another one, hit it again so it slows down and jump off and get another one. And if you miss the one step by a few seconds, it's start over. Um, it's like they tried to make a Uncharted plus Star Wars plus um, Dark Souls game. And it's not getting there. Um, and it, it, just feel, it just feels off. I don't feel like a Jedi. I don't feel like I have some cool powers. Um, I don't feel like I'm doing much of anything in the game besides just waiting, waiting. They strike at me, dodge, and hit the person. Um, I have decided to break away from the story a bit and go do some, like, some leveling and getting some different things. Maybe that'll help me feel like I'm a Jedi or, you know, a newbie Jedi, but it, I don't feel like it. Um, it just feels off. Um, full review, I'll worry about that later, but for right now, I'm, I'm not impressed with it. I'm kind of saddened because it looked really cool in the previews. Um, it looked like it had some cool and, things going for it in trailer, and it has really good reviews on Metacritic, which is not hard, which is not easy to do. Yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 kind of a mech game. Uh, I'm gonna spend more time with it, try to figure out the controls, try to get the timing down on stuff, but I'm I'm not impressed. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to you know overtake on that, but that just came up in my head, and I was like, uh, I need to think about this. So. Oh. Uh, Kathy and John, how many do y'all have, by the way? Oh, I can talk about a bunch of different stuff. Let's just go. Okay. I really just have uh, a couple, and they'll both be pretty short, because that's kind of how my reviews go. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Kathy. Why don't you start? So, at our uh, Friendsgiving, uh, we watched the new Harley Quinn cartoon, that first episode of that, and I laughed my ass off. Oh, my God, it was so funny. I enjoyed it, and I will absolutely watch it again. Mm-hmm. There there were moments because she is kind of, you know, trying to break up with the Joker and get out on her own. And, you know, it, seriously, that's a hard thing to do, you know. And when you're in an abusive relationship and the other person is gaslighting you and sweet-talking you, it's hard to to get out of it. And they address that in that, even amongst all of this chaos and comedy that's in this and that's in this episode. I think they did a, a good job of that. But Mainly, I love my ass off. It was totally worth it, and I will absolutely watch that again when I can. <laughs> and right after that, I'm just going to go with both of mine because, like I said, my, my reviews are short. Uh, I'll give it uh, a space herpes because, just because, you know, nothing's perfect, it seems like. Um, <clears throat> but so, right after that, we watched the Titans. 
an episode of uh, Titans, which is the the like Teen Titans superhero DC universe mm-hmm. uh, story. I've never seen it before. It wasn't the first episode. I had no idea what was going on with it, but it was so boring. I didn't care about any of the characters. It's possible it's only because I didn't know what was going on, but in my experience, even a soap opera can pull you in a in little episode, bit. You'd be like, I gotta, you know, care, I gotta care about what's going on a little bit. You, you kind of want to watch it again just to find out what happens, but with Titans, no. I absolutely don't care about what happens to any of these people. And it was very CW. It's very high on the CW scale for me. <laughs> of needless teenage drama. So, that's a no for me. That's a negative on that. Yeah. Okay. I haven't my, heard uh, very good reviews of, <laughs> of Titans. It was like, let's try to be, you know, super cool and new and interesting. And then it turns into teen angst. And then you're just like, uh, whatever. Well, when the preview had Dove, who's notoriously relatively pacifistic or very much not killing, basically killing people, I'm like, okay, I think I don't need to see this. And I don't need to pay for another streaming service just to see it. Missing the point of the symbolism of what a dove is. <laughs> That's where was the point of Hawk and Dove. Is Hawk was violent. Yeah. Dove not as much. I mean, they would both have beat people up, but it wasn't like kill people. Jesus. But DC's had this problem with thinking that everything needs to be edgy. Dark and edgy. All the time. Yeah. Like, just because it worked for uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies doesn't mean you need to do it for everything. Yes, I do. Come on. Well, Batman is kind of dark, and but there's other ones that aren't. They just aren't. Superman should never be dark and edgy. No. That makes him not Superman. No. You but know, I... it's funny, because as a kid, I might have read more Superboy comics, and of course, these were the ones my brother got from the flea market when we were kids, so they were probably from the 1960s anyways. <laughs> so, it was incredibly wholesome. It was too wholesome. Yep, there was a, a conversation on Twitter about DC saying, we don't know what to do with Superman. I saw that. <laughs> You're like, oh, you have an immigrant from another world who's a reporter in the United States who likes to stand up for what's good and right, and you don't know how to play that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that writes itself. Writes itself. Yeah. They just don't get... They don't want to upset people. So they'd rather have it be dark and edgy and upset people in a different way? Look, I'm going to go out and say it. Man of Steel is not a good movie. <laughs> I have no desire to ever rewatch that. And there's lots of reasons for it. I don't think it's a terrible movie. And I don't necessarily think it's Zack Snyder's fault. Unless he wrote the script. But anyways, I didn't watch that this week. Let's talk about something I did. Um, I did not watch any movies this week, uh, but I did watch uh, some TV shows and some music and all, so we'll talk about some of that. Uh, I'll pile on when Gonzo talks up to Mandalorian about that, but I actually rewatched. I'm trying to rewatch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I watched the first episode last night again. And the first episode is definitely 
different than I remember it through my rose-colored glasses. <laughs> Not that it's worse. Actually, I feel like certain actors I was given shit to. Like, I never really liked... Uh... Oh, God, I forgot his name already. Agent Grant Ward. I didn't really like him from the beginning. He seemed kind of milk toast. You know, super spy, I can beat everyone up, but I don't know how to talk to people because I'm a gruff guy. Oh, yeah. That was... I, I liked him later, but when it sort of came out that it was sort of sort of like his play because of how that goes on. But no spoilers. Spoiler. He was a Hydra agent. That's not really a spoiler all these years later. <laughs> but uh, he actually did a better job than I thought in the first episode. Uh, uh, you know, it, maybe this is just coming back and seeing something for a second time. Let's me view it a little better. Uh, I thought maybe uh, Agent Coulson was a little too humorous at points. But that's sort of his style, that mixed of humor to super serious. But I really liked the episode. I thought it was really good. And I thought there was a lot of uh, lost potential with, uh, you know, uh, Mike Johnson energy would eventually become Deathlock. They really gave him his full due from what I understand. I've only seen through the end of season three. I haven't seen all of season three, but I saw like almost the end. But I figured rather than picking up on like the second to last or last episode of season three, I'll start at the point again. So, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I give it, you know, one and a half space herpes. It was a good time. It's got good production value. And I'll try and watch them when I can. I see something disposable to watch. I don't need to try and binge or anything when I'm eating food. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Hopefully I can get to the whole thing. It's on Netflix right now, not Disney Plus, as funny as that is. Yeah, it'll probably move over to that pretty soon. Yeah, they're letting, and I respect them for that, they're letting everything finish their contract with uh, Netflix, yeah, which is good. Rather than waiting till everything was done, they're like, "Well, let's let you finish your contract." Like, we don't, we're not going to compete with it, obviously. Like, you can't see Infinity War on uh, Disney Plus. You got to see it on Netflix. Uh, no, I saw it on Disney. No, you didn't. Not Infinity War. You may have seen Endgame. Oh, maybe, maybe I am thinking Endgame. Yeah, because Infinity War is still only on Disney Plus, or not only on Netflix. So, but it's all good. So, Gonzo, uh, why do you hit me with one? Um, I added just pure, you know, because we were watching a show on ABC, and it started up after it, and we just decided not to change the channel and just let it roll. We have been watching and doing um, uh, The Goldbergs. And for me, The Goldbergs is a TV show based in the 80s uh, about a guy that had a video camera and he videoed his entire family doing stuff. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, his, his thing. And it comes back to family and all this other stuff, but it has, and I can't deny it. It has such a nostalgia feeling that I am totally loving it. It is actually pretty damn funny. Um, it's not just the nostalgia of it, but it is got, it's written really well, and the characters are really funny. Um, but I, I'm totally digging it. I'm first time I've ever seen it, so I'm like one out of what seven season or whatever. So I'm still, you know, getting into it. But I should have been watching it from begin with because it's about '80s stuff and about '80s kids and uh, everything. But I didn't because, well, it's you know one of those TV shows where it's always on and everybody's watching it and you don't know how long things are going to last anymore but it 
it was pretty good. Um, great one-liners. The characters are really well written. Um, they're easy to relate to um, because they, of course, there's always a life lesson in every single show. Um, but one of the things I think is great is every single time they do a episode, they always show what he was filming as a kid and they put it into the episode and stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Um, they do a lot of flashbacks to a bunch of different things like, um, the opening up of Al Capone's vault. Um, you know, that, that type of stuff, which is really kind of cool. Although do what? Go, let's go. It's good. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was stuff like that that I just thought was really interesting. Um, last episode I watched, they had Weird Al Yankovic on there, and so it was you know it's just it, there is a lot of nostalgia. You can't help it, um, but it's interesting because you're like he always jokes around because he's talking from his current adult age about yes, when you originally had to call your parents, you had to use a phone that was connected to a wall, and you know. So on and, so and you forth. probably had to put a quarter in it <laughs> to make it work. Um, but I mean, there was just all that type of stuff, and it was just it was it, it's really funny to see the difference because they were like, "Ooh, CD, the new technology. We can't get more advanced than CDs." Um, type thing. So it was just interesting for the the part. I I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'll keep watching it. I've got plenty of episodes, so I mean, I won't run out of you know episodes anytime soon. That um, does sound amusing. It it, 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 it it is very amusing, very funny. Um, they pull some of the stupidest jokes um, and just some of the funniest stuff. Uh, but I, I can see myself in one of the kids. I can see family members, um, so on and so forth. I, right now, I'm giving it zero space herpes. Um, I know that it is getting up there because uh, seven years on a TV show, um, eventually the 80s have got to run out. So don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> The '90s. Yeah, <laughs> but there already is, there already was a show called the '90s, but it was based off of something else. But so far, I'm enjoying it. I like it. It's funny. I'll I'll keep watching it. Go. Cool. So my next, I'm actually talking about a band. I just uh, I don't want to say just started listening to, but just started really listening to more of their work is uh, Clutch. Oh man. And uh, it actually came out naturally. I was just sitting on uh, YouTube listening. And they. Uh, a song came up called uh, Quick Death in Texas, which is very amusing. has a sort of uh, southern country rock sort of feel. And a lot of their, some of their songs do. I don't want to say all of them. I wouldn't say they're just straight old, you know, southern rock. But some of their songs do, and some of them don't. They're just very weird at times, and I'm really digging them. They are pretty, uh, pretty good rock. Um, they actually just did, just released their video for their cover of Fortunate Son, which is very good. I mean, they did a really good job covering that. And it's not necessarily an easy song to do. You need a certain type of voice, but Lee Singer's got that. And uh, it really struck me because I originally heard them way back on the soundtrack to Escape from L.A. Mm -hmm. They had a song that sounds nothing like their current stuff, which apparently is a uh, common uh, theme on that CD since there's a Sugar Ray song on there. It sounds nothing like Sugar Ray. <laughs> Spoiler, Sugar Ray was originally metal. What? Yes. But, uh, no, I'm really enjoying that. So just you guys take a, take a listen to their cover of Fortunate, One, uh, Fortunate Son. It was very, uh, 
very good enjoying maybe check out some other stuff uh, i suggest uh uh quick death in texas electric worry and uh x-ray vision are very good songs and if you want to hear the total weird one that i had off the soundtrack it's called escape from the prison planet off the album of the same name or the escape from la soundtrack which was not bad uh i will give them one space herpy because they are a little weird and i'm not really sure how their overall catalog goes since I got a song that's really weird and some Southern rock and something sort of in the middle, maybe more towards Southern rock. I have to, to see where they actually are. See if they continue their trend and get, yeah, well, so let's see what I can figure out. You know, like discovering a new band, just finding time to listen to it all, uh, is, uh, interesting. Sometimes you ain't got the time to listen to it all. Sometimes you just gotta listen to what you listen to. Gonzo, what you got? Um, I hold on one second. I got a paint, a lot of paint on this, and I just want to get it off of my brush. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no worries. I'll, I'll talk to someone else real go, quick. Go real quick, because I'm, I'm trying to get this last bit of no oil wash on Iron Man to get um, some darkness. To get it on there. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Uh, so it's Christmas time. So Christmas music's around. Uh, I uh, really like a bunch of different songs, uh, but I've been listening to different versions of "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch." Of uh, which the best one is, of course, the Whirling Dervishes version. But one that just came out recently that I kind of like is from Small Town Titans. They did a cover of it. That's pretty solid, too. Not better than the Whirling Dervishes, but it's definitely interesting. Uh, similar veins or a rocked-up version. Uh, good to listen to. So, check that out also. Um, What was it? There was something I saw just recently. Um, oh, I remember what it was. Uh, the holiday episode of Nailed It came on. Uh, it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, uh, Nailed It is a show about taking average, ordinary people and making them recreate exaggerated uh, holiday-type things. Uh, huge cakes and such. And, and cookies or whatever, but, you know, stuff that professionals would make. And... I don't know how much longer this show can last. Sure, you, it, it's fun to watch people do this stuff, but how many times can we watch the same person screw stuff up, excuse me, and, and laugh about it? I mean, th there's got to be something to it besides, okay, here's our normal show with a bunch, and then here's, um, sorry, man, I got the perks really bad, um, a holiday special, and then they bring on a guest every so often to crack jokes with it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is fine. There's no problems with it. But how much, you know, how much more can you do until it's done? Um, it was interesting to watch. The season was not bad. It's, you know, the the characters in it are okay. Are the, are the people that uh, host it are all right. But I just found myself going, all right, we know they're going to fuck this up and how bad they're going to fuck it up. Um, and it's quite humorous because some of the stuff is unedible. Um because it's like they tried to cook a cake and it still had raw eggs in it um, type thing. So I give it like two, but I mean, how many more episodes can you have about people baking shitty stuff? People love to see people fail, so you never know. Yeah, I, I never know. But I mean, I don't know if I would, you know, continue. But for the most part, eh, it's okay. It's kind of fun. I, I mean, I enjoy it. But like I said, I don't know how far you can go before you're done. So. Fair enough. Want to talk about the Mandalorian? Let's talk about the Mandalorian. 
because um, I am enjoying the shit out of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Absolutely, it uh, is. It is great homage uh, to old school samurai movies and old school westerns that I love, and it is great world building. Uh, there's a couple characters that show up in this next episode without spoilers. That people are all like, I watch a series about this person, or I want to know this person's backstory, which is a sign of good world building. And I don't need to tell that stuff specifically because that's not necessary. But it is makes you feel like the world is 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 actually a world because people feel like they have a story. It's not just they're there to make move the plot along, plot along and go. They feel like <laughs> their own people. And uh, Gina Carino is in it as one of them, and she's super cool. Really liked her. Uh, Cara Dune, I think her name is. I really liked her in this episode. I thought she was a really cool character. Hope yeah, beforehand you said this is the uh, the best you've seen her in a movie. And it's the best I've seen her in anything, because usually she does like a little bit parts, like she did in Deadpool. Deadpool uh, or uh, Fast and Furious 6. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, that's cool. But... To me, she really, 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 really shined in this one. Um, she had cool story. She, you know, her character was entertaining. She was, it, it was good. I yep. liked her in it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I really liked her in it. I thought it was the best thing I've seen her in since uh, Haywire, which is uh, her movie she had a starring role in. And she actually did a good job in that. But I feel like maybe it's because there's a director and they're giving her enough to do good director and giving him some of the right stuff and she nailed it in this. Um, I do have to, before we get into the episode, I do have something that I need to complain about, uh, about the Mandalorian. Um, I'm not digging the music. There's something about the music in the show that just doesn't get me in most Star Wars movies. I don't know if it's because it's, because like you said, it is a samurai western type, you know, type uh, show, um, and it's samurai western type music more or less. I, but for some, it just doesn't feel right. There's something in there. This last episode, I was like, I was like, okay, I really enjoy this, but something just feels off for me. And it was the music. I don't think the music is as good. Um, and maybe because I'm so used to it being in the Star Wars movies, because there's these huge well, so, productions. Uh, but stop you right there for a second. Are you telling me? That the music in this, uh, you know, streaming TV show show <laughs> isn't as good as the movies, which are done by John Williams, the greatest soundtrack composer ever. I know. Or Mike Giacchino, Chino, the best up and coming soundtrack maker <laughs> ever. I mean, what? I mean, yes, yes, that's what he's saying. I know. I mean, it, it, but just to it, put it in perspective a little bit, it, it, it's a picky master, one. And the up-and-coming master, like, literally, Chichino's stuff I put on and I just listen to, it's great. Yeah. And John Williams is the fucking master. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's a nitpick, but for something, to me, the music just feels kind of off a bit. Um, I, I feel like standard Star Wars-style music, anything grandiose, you know, orchestral would be off. It would be wrong for this, in my opinion. It could work, and for a lot of people, it would work. It would sort of give you that Star Wars feel. Yeah. But I... I don't think it'd be right for what they're doing with this. I feel like this sort of subdued, vaguely Western samurai sound is what is helping or not detracting at the very least. It was just, just something I noticed that the music just didn't seem very, and I guess it's, it's a nitpick, 
didn't seem very Star Warsy. Um, it just seemed off. It kind of just kind of put me off a bit, and I was like, I guess it's, it's a nitpick. It's not anything bad. It's just I don't feel like, especially during the high intense scenes or whatever, it just didn't seem right. I might have to try listen watch them again because I didn't really notice that at all. So, well, I mean, music plays such a big part in you know scenes and setting the tone and all that other stuff that you know maybe I'm just I guess it's, maybe I'm just being nitpicky, but for some reason the music just seems a bit off to me. Um, but let's talk about the episode without trying to spoil it because we know people haven't seen it yet. Yeah, um, uh, it's me. Cool. We won't, we won't. We always we always keep the spoilers out of it. But this one really, really was really cool, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it, it's got good action. It's got good character-building moments. And, I mean, it's just... It may actually be the best episode yet. Yeah. Certainly the longest episode yet. Um, Baby Yoda is still amazing. It is still the cutest thing ever. Yep. Hold my beer, you will. Yeah. <laughs> we had discussions. I'm like, you're really going to have to get into Pokemon that people loved as a kid to really have a chance of being cuter. I'm sorry. Um, especially some of the scenes in this episode. You're just like, no, nah, that's funny. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. They did a good job. They, they, they had suspense where they needed suspense. They had action where they needed action. Witty banter where they needed witty banter. It was... Uh, very good. People vaguely, I mean, I thought people reacted to things vaguely realistically. Yeah. You know, like how you'd expect them to. I'm kind of curious about some characters in this episode because there were some eye-opening things um, that, you know, we learned about some people uh, and not the main characters. But I'm just like, hmm, why did that happen? Why was this? And, you know, um, but it was a good world building and good... Um, it's, someone called it a filler episode, but I'm like, it's not a filler episode. It serves the exact point it needs to serve in the uh, in the series. Yes. It wasn't like you didn't care about it. It wasn't like the characters didn't grow. They did grow. They did expand. Um, they You learned about the different Mandalorian stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't like you were just one and done. You know, it was like, oh, here's just some of the randomness that happens in the series. It explores the world a bit more. You get to learn yeah. more about the Mandalorians. You get to learn more about a, a new planet. Um, I did find it funny that um, someone made a joke that if um, anybody from the Star Wars universe ever came to Earth, they would flip out because there's a planet that has all type of terrain features and all type of, uh, you know, that has a <laughs> desert, uh, a jungle there, you know. The planet isn't all one ter- terrain form, so I thought like that was kind of... like a planetary nice. Hawaii. Yeah, so, I mean, I just thought it was hilarious someone had made a joke about that, because um, every planet they go to is, you know, one type of terrain feature. Oh, this is a desert planet, this is a jungle planet, so on and so forth. Yeah. To be fair, no one's ever seen the rest of Tatooine. <laughs> that They've is only true. seen that area right around where Luke lived. Yeah. No one's ever seen, I mean, Hoth is, is the ice world of Hoth. It's been described as that, so yeah. it's all icy. But, and I mean, it was just it was just funny that that, was, that came okay. up. Most of the rest of the planets, you never know. You don't see them. Yeah. 
But I just thought that was kind of interesting that someone brought that up. Yeah, well, the Mandalorian is still going to be still rocking a full zero. Yeah, it, it, it's been solid. Um, like I says, and, and like I says, it's a nitpick when I was talking about the um, the music. Just it seems a little off for me. Not bad, just off. Um, but it pales in comparison to the entire series. Yeah, and it does my heart good to see certain let's say, category of quote-unquote fans get up in arms because there is a strong female character in it, and that makes me happy. Yeah, I I don't understand that because... Nowadays, it almost feels like if you put a female character into something, then you must have an ulterior motive that is social justice slanting somehow. I I can't wait till we talk about the series of spoilers. I have something that really slaps people who are saying a certain thing about a certain character in the face because like oh really well look at this but i don't want to spoil anything uh maybe when we get to the end that people have probably seen you know the first three or four episodes we can probably start talking about it but we'll see then but i got some stuff i mean i I enjoyed it i didn't feel i didn't feel like they were shoving something down my throat oh Um, right it it wasn't like it was force-fed to me i was like this is really cool. I really like oh, this. There are badass women in the Star Wars universe. Okay. What? No. We kind of knew that already, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't know why it's suddenly a surprise. Because people can't, you know. Those people make me make me chuckle. I like to watch. You know, it put the gift of Michael Jackson eating popcorn. That's me watching these things. Yeah. Let's bag of chips. Let's go. Go Some at people, it, guys. Their favorite hobby is whining. Anyways, this has been episode 101, because we never did say that at the beginning of it. (laughs) Shut up. 101 was last week. Yeah. Now. Yes. Wait, we podcast last week? Kathy, you high? (laughs) Drunk? No. Too much gin and juice over there? (sighs) Well, this is episode 102. Yes. Thank you. Oh, more than that. At any rate, we didn't say it at the beginning. We did not. We did not. Uh, tune in next time. Remember, we're going to have some giveaways next time. Uh, definitely, we'll be doing some Creature Caster uh, gift cards giveaway and some stuff from Tectonic Crest Studios. Um, so, with that, for more than dice, I'm, I'm Gonzo. <laughs> I'm Kathy. I'm just letting y'all duke it out. Good night, people. Good night. Hey, Banyan said goodnight. Crimson said that they like wine. That's their favorite hobby. His favorite hobby is wine. Crimson also says, uh, then miniature painting, then Korean cooking. (gasps) Oh, I like Korean food.